Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. My goal is to figure out where the uncomfortable piece is, then figure out a way to flip it on his head to where everyone is now okay with hearing this tension. Um, so this is gonna be a little too deep, but I apologize, but I've been working on this bit all week. Because uh, again, this contest gives me a new five minutes every month to like try and tighten. In Texas, um, the, the cops got called on me one time. I was in my own house and the cop comes into my house with a gun drawn in my own home yeah and i've always wondered how can i even talk about this it's so uncomfortable like how do you talk about something like this on stage and i figured out how to break the tension by saying i you know he could have been pulling the gun on me because i was black but i'm pretty sure it's because i was sleeping with his daughter hot breath what's goody hot breath averse welcome back to hot breath the show where you learn comedy from the pros I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this episode is our very special monthly contest winner. Every month in our Hot Breath Pro group, we do a $100 joke contest where the winner gets 100 bucks and an interview on Hot Breath Podcast. If that sounds like something that would be fun to you, just click the link in the description of this episode to join one of our masterclasses that gives you access to our private Hot Breath Pro Facebook group, and you can compete and maybe win 100 bucks and an interview on Hot Breath. But this month's winner, repeat winner, all the way from the West Coast of the US of A, Mr. Chris Beasley. Here is, is his set and his interview. It's Black History Month, and I'm your representation. And if you got a good relationship with black people, then you know <laughs> that's not good. In 2020, during the George Floyd protests and riots, I didn't steal, but in 2022, I steal. Listen to Joe Rogan. Look, man, I was the only child. I'm really accepting. Growing up, friends with benefits was a friend with a PlayStation and a father at home. Growing up like this, white people now call me approachable. Oh, hey, look, black people around. Look, just call me the N-word, okay? <laughs> yeah. Growing up like this, I look like my wife is white, which is so annoying because my wife is white. And it's like I lose all my street cred. She's treated like an OG. Everyone's like, hey, girl, your husband black. I see you. Yo, Chris, your wife white? Sell out. <laughs> what? I'm treated like Terry Crews. Meanwhile, she's Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. We gonna just let that pass? I'm the one working with underprivileged kids that roast me every day. One kid was like, hey, yo, Mr. Beasley, what's up with your hairline? In front of the whole class, bro? What's up with your waistline, big boy? Yeah, sit down, shut up. <laughs> One of my coworkers was white, and she was like, I love the relationship you have with the kids. Can you teach me? I coached her up. I heard a kid ask her why her class was so boring. She said, I don't know, Latrell. Why are your elbows wider than mine? I was like, oh, damn. She gonna get fired. Latrell <laughs> has alopecia. Look, it's always appropriation if you don't have a relationship with the culture first. Well, c congratulations again. I mean, I don't even know what. How many times have you won now? This would be three. This is this is the third one. I, I needed this one. It's hard. It's hard to man. This is a tough contest, which makes it great. Um, and Sandy's always in the the finals. You know, trying to be Sandy's tough. But she's a boss, so it's been good though. So, and didn't you make it your goal this year to like compete in all of these? 
12 times. That's the goal. Yes, I, that was my New Year's resolution. And we had two times, so let's keep it going. Ooh-wee! So what... What happened? What 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 happened here? This this set. I mean, you. I mean, it's it was hilarious. I mean, people could probably hear me laughing at it. I've watched this set probably like five times. I mean, I we I watched the sets multiple times because I'm like, well, geez, who's who's in the finals? It's always so close. But like, how you get the theme of relationships? So then, where where does it go from there? How do you start to build the set? Um, well, this one is actually the first time I've ever written this this way, and I wrote it on stage. I've never done that before. Oh. Um, I in January I was in a in a comedy competition here in the Bay, and I did pretty good. But the winner roasted me for his whole set, just off the top, just in the show, and he won. It was he killed it. It was an amazing roast. Um, and from then on, I was like, I think I just need to be in the moment and just see what happens. And so for this set, I knew I wanted to talk about relationships. I had a few ideas going on stage. And then I just talked to the audience. And these are the jokes that came out. And I just tightened them over the week and then submitted. So you just, so you didn't write anything down? Is that, is that what you're saying? So I had ideas on um, basically where I wanted it to go. But I didn't have... Um, like I, I kind of knew what was funny about each one of these and like the, the Joe Rogan thing, I was like, I still listen to this. So might as well talk about it. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I always, I always felt like that was a good, uh, talking piece. I've heard people talk about it before. So I had kind of like bullet points this time. Okay. And I knew what the punchlines should be, but I had no clue how I was going to get to them or what my setup was specifically going to be. And it was the first time I was that loose with it on stage. Okay. So you, you had some structure. You just didn't go up there blind. I wasn't blind. No, okay. I, I knew I wanted to talk what relationship pieces I wanted to talk about. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. I just, cause when you've won before, like we, we discussed how meticulous you were and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want someone to hear this set and be like, Oh, I'll just go up there and riff and it'll be fine. I mean, there's well, one, you need to learn the rules before you break them. And there was still 100%. structure involved. I just don't, a lot of times people hear like Bill Burr say he writes on stage and then a, an open micer's like, oh, well, I'm clearly Bill Burr, so I'll just go right on stage. It's like, nah, G, you know, there's there's some That's structure involved. It's <laughs> a great point. And yeah, if, if you have listened to any of my previous ones when I won, I am very meticulous and... I think that was super helpful for getting me to that point where I knew how to write. I knew the structure and now I know where to play with it. And so I can go on stage and be a little bit more free. And I found that the content comes out richer for like, it's just less, um, uh, it just comes out more lived in, walked in and the audience responds to it so amazingly. And um, I, I, I've been doing it for this whole week, and it's been a blast. I didn't know I could have that much fun on stage. Ooh. <laughs> what a... Oh, Imray said Chris almost made everyone quit comedy just now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've been a student of the game, and you've learned a lot about joke writing, so now you can apply it in a more organic way. But it does all start with, like, learning the rules and then you apply them and adapt them. But it's first learning the structure. I just, I always want to emphasize that to young comics that it's learn the fundamentals first. Yes, definitely. I mean, I've read every book 
And I, we've talked about this on previous podcasts where I'll implement one book strategy for a whole week or month, depending on how long it, I feel like it takes me to get down that strategy. Boom. So definitely it's the work first before you're just on stage for 10, 15 minutes freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Although, hey, your freestyle skills. I was impressed, Joel. That was. Oh, today? Yeah, Yo, yeah, I good. mean, you know, give the boy a little mushroom coffee and he gets the adaptogens going. <laughs> this kid, give him a little turkey tail and you don't know what's going to happen. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I, I watched a documentary about mushrooms and now I'm like, oh, that's the secret. That's it. That's Not it. psilocybin. Like they talk about psilocybin, but they talk about the power of mushrooms in general and um, how it like it has amazing impacts on mental health. So um I watched one documentary, so now I'm an expert. I like it. I like it. I mean, we're not we're not doctors over here. We're not. No, doctors, no. We're... But... <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I <hate you>. yes. <laughs> um, oh, and Evelyn said, "Great, great set, Chris." I still use tips from your other interviews, so that's awesome. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and th- you know, I always go personal as much as possible. As my cat is now trapped in uh, the studio here with us. Um, but I always go personal. And so, and I think I've said this before, but I have like three go-to things that I always go to. Like I'm not enough for something. I'll go to that. Cause that's just something I struggle with or feel often. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to women or my wife often. And then um, I think, I can't remember what the other one is, but um, yeah, this was, this set was pretty much, I'm, I don't feel black enough because of my wife. And then all it was about my wife, which was the other piece. And then I just went on true stories that I have in life. What's your favorite joke? Hmm. What is my favorite? I mean, I love the teacher getting fired. That's just, uh, it's just so real. It's just, um, and, and that whole piece is 100% true. This kid is, his name's Demario. He's such a funny kid. He's a class clown. And this is my first year teaching. So I was unprepared. and he just out of nowhere raises his hand and says mr beasley what's up with your hairline and every class i I was like oh god and then i fired back what's up with your waistline and i had control oh this is it this is it let's go it was over he he laughed sat down i was like all right i'm in control (laughs) (laughs) i love how you're like this is it let's go Giving kids body dysmorphia at a young age. Let's go, <laughs> baby. Let's go. <laughs> hey, if you want to play the dozens, I can do it. Oh, man. I That's didn't facts, though. He too. was asking for it. Clearly. Yeah, that, that was a good one. It's funny that it's based all in truth, too. And you're able to make it a joke. Yeah, yeah. It was... It, and that's what's tough sometimes. Um, and this week, this is another reason why I have gotten to the place of playing with it on stage a little bit more i'll have stories that i'm not sure how they're funny but when i'm on stage i have they have to be funny so while you're in that tension place like i talk about something real and then it's like okay where's the punchline i must find it right now in this um section and so on my drive to the show i'm thinking okay how is this funny i don't know i don't know how this is funny and once i find the tension point i think okay this is where the release will be and sometimes I stretch it. So like, I don't, there was not another teacher um, that asked how to do that in that story. But I thought it would be so funny to see someone think, this is how I connect with the kids. How can I do that? And so that's the part that I embellish on for the audience to enjoy the story 
but I want them to still live my lived experience, you know, so. Oh, what do you, can you go a little further on the, uh, the tension point there? Um, yeah, so, you know, comedy is tension and release, and uh, especially uh, social media content, a lot of it is people building tension and then releasing it. Um, and so my goal is to um, figure out where the uncomfortable piece is and then figure out a way to flip it on its head to where everyone is now okay with hearing this tension. Um, so this is going to be a little too deep, but I apologize, but I've been working on this bit all week. Because uh, again, this contest gives me a new five minutes every month to like try and tighten. And not all of it stays in my set to the next month, but um, it, I've always gotten really good stuff. So at least three solid minutes. Um, but I, in Texas, um, the, the cops got called on me one time. I was in my own house and the cop comes into my house with a gun drawn in my own home. Yeah. And I've always wondered, how can I even talk about this? It's so uncomfortable. Like, how do you talk about something like this on stage? And this week, I did it for the first time, not knowing how it was going to go. And the tension, like, silence in the whole room. And I figured out how to break the tension by saying, I, you know, he could have been pulling the gun on me because I was black. But I'm pretty sure it's because I was sleeping with his daughter. And, like, oh. it just... <laughs> Everyone feels better. They're like, oh, okay, thank God. He's only kind of racist. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that part is not true, but it breaks the tension and I can bring my full self to the stage. And um, that, to me, that's what's important. Like, I, I love going personal and talking about uncomfortable things, but it has to be funny. I've, yep. I've gone on rants before that aren't funny. <laughs> you don't want to do that. So even if the tension, even if the tension is real and the release is fake, the release is because of the art form we're doing. They have yep. to laugh. So I'll just come up with a release that really works and takes that tension out. And the laughs are so strong. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, that reminds me of when I interviewed Miss Pat and she talked about getting shot in the head. And she was like trying to figure out how to make that funny. And her release was like the tension was building up how like her ex shot her in the head. And then the release is like, uh, it's my fault because I ducked slow. <laughs> so it's like you know that just reminded me of another example of like something yeah. like how could this be funny but then yeah you find like a silly a silly like you said release point that's the art of comedy and talking about dark things but putting a light spin on them yes and i think the audience respects it more when you uh, take a real live dark thing and make it funny versus a dark concept that you haven't experienced and trying to uh, make it funny and edgy and um, I just think comedians go for that because that's what we see, you know, but yeah. way harder. Way yeah. Harder. And it, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You hear Bill Burr, like say something completely, I mean, like off the rails about women or whatever. And then open micers yeah. are like, oh, I'll just go do that. It's like, I mean, and I keep using Bill Burr as the example, but he's one of the best out there who's executing at a high level, saying a bunch of taboo things, but getting away with it because he spent over half his life honing this craft yeah. to then talk about things that are authentic to him. So a lot of young comics, I think will try to like say something wild just for like the flex of it and not even know what's funny about it. But, and it's not even authentic or true to them. They just read something on Reddit and are like, Oh, I'm going to go flex because it's free speech and whatever. And yeah. it is, but it's like, it's gotta be funny. It has to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, this is, you know, my point of view on comedy. So obviously comedy is very diverse and there's a lot of different lanes, but uh, 
You mm-hmm. know, to me, if you go personal, you get so much more freedom of speech. And yeah. I think a lot of times people think freedom of speech is to say whatever you want. And that that alienates people because we can tell it's not authentic. Like it, for some reason, when you're on stage, people can just read you and know if what you're saying is genuine. Yeah. And um, it, it's just so much better to go with something you've really experienced. And if it's something you don't like, like maybe you disagree with something in the culture today, your conflict needs to be your personal inability to accept something, not how wrong the other people are because, um, and this is in joke books and everything, but it's conflict. That's funny. It's, it's the comedian struggling with something that's funny. It's not the comedian being smarter than everyone or telling everyone what it is. It's you can't handle something or you're struggling with it and you're trying to make it through. And the audience loves that because you're not giving up. You have hope like drama is giving up. Right. Tragedy is there's no way to succeed. But comedy is you are fighting through even though you can't win. Like that's what comedy is. And so you just have to be honest that you can't win and be trying to solve the problem. Yeah. And I think it helps for for comedians, especially early on, to like start like basic. I mean, like make a joke about like your dog or something like so many. So many. I heard this like early on in my career. It's like. So many comics want to be like George Carlin or Bill Hicks and like make jokes about the military and the government. It's like, well, can you make can you make your lunch funny? Like start with like basic fundamental things that are still personal to you. But it's like this is a lifelong journey, dude. Like, you know, I've interviewed comics 30 years into the game who say they're still learning. So it's like it's a lifelong journey. So just get these small wins of creating silly jokes about maybe silly personal things and then build up to these bigger topics once you kind of learn the fundamentals and how to turn things funny it's like it's just an incremental process 100 percent. and i was talking to a comedian about this last night uh michael booth is a comedian here in the bay uh we were just talking about how part of the maturation of comedians is the humility like i, I think at the beginning we just I remember when I first figured out how to write a joke. Oh my, Joel, I was a headliner. I was like, hey, look. <laughs> I was it. a headliner. <laughs> it's like, I, I've only wrote in three minutes, but I know I know how to do it now. So book yeah. me, like, let's go. <laughs> and then, um, growing in that humility piece was so important. Nice. And um, luckily 2020 humbled the hell out of me. It was a rough year. But <laughs> other than yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Now I also see how many years really talented people have put into it and we all got to pay our dues and just it's the humility piece gets you a lot further in the networking part of the industry and being a chill hang on shows and then being invited back. So that's joke writing, understanding comedy, getting funny and then being humble and showing up and um, interacting with other comedians to me is the process. Boom. Oh, man, dropping dropping gems out here. (laughs) so funny oh man what's goody i got to man i love this podcast (laughs) let's go so is there anything else i mean about this set or anything you'd like to to share before we land the plane here people saying you got a lot of good tips going on in here yeah oh thanks guys yeah i uh and again i wrote this one kind of more freeform than normal but um, if you listen to the last, go back, listen to the previous podcast that I've been on, because that's basically the process of how I got here. And those are several months ago. So it's it's like it, this wasn't overnight, just to be honest. But um, yeah, just find the tension point, find your conflict. 
Um, oh, and the, I think I've said this before, but Brent Forrester says comedy is between two people or uh, a story is between two people. So don't bring in too many different ideas. This is one-on-one, mano-a-mano. Where's your conflict point with this one thing? And then have fun with it. It'll be clear enough for the audience to laugh. And when, when you were working this set out on stage, were you recording it and then like reviewing those recordings? And then what are you doing with that? that feedback? Are you like taking notes on what lines worked or maybe ideas that you could try differently? How, how'd you kind of start to hone it in? 100%. I record every time I did it. And um, I struggle listening back to my own set. So I played in two times speed. <laughs> I do that so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that too, for sure. Yeah. Because the gaps, it shrinks the gaps real good. So you don't have to hear any silence, which is just painful. But um, yeah. so realizing when a setup took too long, finding out the points that really made people laugh and getting to those as fast as possible and um, understanding that if I said something one way, I can try and say it a totally different way the next time, knowing where I'm going now, I'll say it totally different, but then choose which one out of the week was the cleanest, the sharpest, and gets me there the fastest. And then what I love about your pod, what this contest does is then to condense it into a video format that's only 90 seconds is additional work. Like I have a little bit more space on stage to do it. So then I have to tighten it even more, which gets it to that quick hitting comedy. Um, mm-hmm. That and, and so most of that work, most of the writing I did was at the end when I had all of it and I just shrank it down for this contest. Yeah, part, part of the, my favorite part of the contest every month is people showing screenshots of their phone and how many takes that they're doing to get the video right? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like Joe always like, oh, 200. It's like, yes, it, it takes that many. It was so many takes. Because I also, for me, I wanted to come through with the emotions that I'm also trying to present it. And so there's a little acting that I'm not, and I'm not an actor, but like to deliver punchlines in this format, you also have to play with your face and be a little bit more dramatic to communicate the change. Like, uh, I think the first joke in the thing is a quick turn um, mm-hmm. where I just say, you know, it's Black History Month, I'm going to represent, which is not good. Right. And it's like everything's going happy. And then I'm like, no, this is bad. That's a quick turn, which is a, a form of comedy. And so I have to sell that quick turn for that first joke to land. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. if I just, which I did this on stage this week, I just tell everyone, that's not good. And they're like, uh, why? You're Black. I don't get it. So, um, I have to sell the quick turn. You have to uh, get a little act outs in there as well. Yeah, how you say it can really affect how the joke lands. I think even like for like Sandra's joke about underwater, it's like feels like she for like 25 minutes underwater. Like I feel like if she said that a little more annoyed or like a little more like sad about it. I mean, she kind of just said it. No, and this is no knock to Sandra. This is just an observation on fine tuning stuff that it is like saying it with a little more emotion would help it land more. It was still funny because it's well-written, but when you take into how you're saying things, that that's when you can really elevate the jokes. Yes, I would agree with that. And like when I watch other comedians who are at high levels, uh, like I, I saw Andrew Schultz this weekend. Um, oh, it's no. like, yeah, yeah. I'm always studying what they're doing and how they're communicating their jokes because there is a point where you get to that every comedian on the show is funny. So it's no longer can they tell jokes. Every single one of them can tell jokes. If you heard these blindfolded, you would be laughing, right? So when you get to the point where all your jokes are funny, there's another level 
right? There's another level where you get to Dane Cook and Preacher Lawson, which are huge act out people that you don't have to be. But knowing that they're adding to their comedy with their act outs and their facial expressions and deliveries um, is really big. And I, I do like social media for that because it's sometimes just your face and you have to really present. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I agree with you. I think uh, the underwater joke was hilarious. And had it been, had, had we showed, if we show the conflict on our face, like the struggle, the pain, that's where the funny is. And that's what the audience loves. So it's just like, oh, just <laughs> 20 years. God, this is my wife. <laughs> like, you can, anytime I'm on stage talking about my wife, it, she loves, we're, we're, we're doing great. But <laughs> my, my face says that this is the most painful thing. It's like, look, I could have done 12 years of slave and not deal with what I'm dealing with with my mm-hmm. wife. Like, that's the level of pain I'm trying to show on my face. And it, it gets people laughing. Oh, Becky with the good hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I watched your, your interview with Kev, and I was like, yeah, Kev, you get it. This is how it feels talking to Joel. You're just like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> is happening oh my goodness (laughs) it's crazy every time i can't i I mean it's you know i mean it's just what it is i keep it a bean i mean it's just it's Oh, oh, this is so good. So, so are you gonna start? You're gonna start writing on stage more using these bullet point tech. Did this this contest get helped you break through to a new level of writing? Is that what you're saying right now? That's I've said that every time I've showed up on this thing. Every time I level up because I want to get on the podcast and and the the competition is fierce. It's so serious, and yeah. so um, I'm like, I need to stretch myself. Let's try something new. And I had less stage time than normal. You know, I'm, I am very meticulous. And so I try and get up like seven times a week if possible. Mm-hmm. And um, me and my wife are moving. So I sold my car. So I don't have the luxury. So I had to make every stage time most of my time and writing as well. And um, it stretched me. And whew, I, I'm i excited, man. Thank you, Joel. Thank you so much, man. This is amazing. Thank you out. for thank you for taking it seriously, man. The, the, the work is paying off. You know what I mean? Like every... Every time I interview one of these winners of the contest, I mean, there's there it's not by accident. You know, nobody stumbles into winning this. It's like, oh, I put in a lot of work and uh, it it paid off, you know, and people who submit, everyone that submits is putting in a lot of work and it will pay off for sure. Definitely. Put in so, it, put in the time. Exactly. So what what can people like um like connect with you or follow you or are you still doing your podcast as well? Are you still in that? Yeah, so we're we're um, on a little bit of a break right now, uh-huh. uh, taking care of you know family life things like that. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but definitely bringing the podcast. Uh, I'm just Chris Beasley anywhere and everywhere. Um, so you can find me just chrisbeasley.com, just Chris Beasley on Instagram, YouTube, all of that. I'm here. Um, I, actually, my wife is giving me a luxury of going full time with this comedy thing. Wait uh, a minute, what? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> when did when did this start? Uh, it's about March first. It, it will be official. Um, oh, yeah, dude. I'm excited. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Whoa, congrats, man. I always young comics want to jump in so early, and I've been doing it 12 years. And my advice is always like, wait as long as you can because when it becomes your full time gig, it can take the fun out of it. I can tell you from personal experience because then you put all this pressure on not just the fun and the development of it. Be like, well, how do I get booked? I got a Georgia power. Doesn't take stage time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
it can really take the fun out of it. Um, fortunately, I mean, like you have a great relationship and a supportive spouse, which is so essential. But um, for like comics who are like, oh, I want to go full time, you know, I would like take your time with it. Just have fun with it, because when it's your job, it really it becomes a job just like anything else. So but I, I'm excited for you, man. That's huge. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, so for the job aspect, I have like booking meetings every morning to just reach out everyone in the Metroplex or whatever, just trying to get booked. And there's a lot of us, not much stage time. It is a grind. It's, it's, it's definitely work. But um, thanks to High Breath Pro, I, I think I'm ready for it. So let's ba -bow, go. Ba-bow, ba-bow, ba-bow. Facts. Oh, and babe, I just made $100. We're hey, on, it's we're on working. <laughs> it's working. Let's go. Look at that. You're going full-time. You're interning with 100 bucks. She's like, yeah, that'll be did. groceries for the first half of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, she, my wife is, uh, she she pushes me. That's the best way to say it. So she was like, this is how much you have to figure out how to bring in every month. I was like, in comedy? <laughs> how do I start an OnlyFans? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, good, babe, though. I'll figure it out. Transparent communication, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And anything I can do to help yes. you, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to help. So if you ever have any questions or anything, you know, it's a, that's a big step though, man, but you're funny and it'll definitely pay off. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. I'll be reaching out for sure. Yeah. And I got to make it out. I got to do a show wherever Sandy is. I got to come to the East coast. got to come to Georgia. I, I want to get out. Yeah. 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 Sandy's up in the Baltimore area, I believe, or the DC Ooh. area, somewhere over there. Yeah. And then I'm in the A. I mean, we got a whole, I met Imre. Like last weekend, and he he came up to Atlanta because Holly was putting on a festival here in Atlanta, and she like showed him around, and then he did a few shows. He's done a few shows to the southeast with people in the Hot Breathiverse. So, um, yeah, 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 Hot Breath tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real, man. the The network is working. I'm, I'm. It's crazy to see all the photos of everyone taking together out on the road and stuff. Um, I think Evelyn just took a photo with a few people um over in your neck of the woods oh yeah and that's oh with ed yeah and EJ. oh yeah yeah it's cool being able to interact in in irl as they say in real life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Breath. well hopefully people interact with you i hope anyone who listens to this reaches out to you just to say how Thank dope you. your set was and how helpful this interview was Anytime. I love helping and talking and connecting. I am a teacher by heart, so this is this is it. This is beautiful. Well, there you go, Hot Breathverse. Go forth with your days. If you want to compete in next month's contest, just go join one of our master classes linked in the description of this episode. And we will see you next Monday on Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.